Kia ora and welcome to the Kaka. I'm Bernard Hickey. This is my daily podcast that goes out with a daily email to paid subscribers to the Kaka, which is a Substack. Today I wanted to talk about first home buyers and what the government may or may not do with the limits on uh, grants and loans through the Kainga Ora Grants and Loan Schemes. Now you might recall that uh, every year or so the government looks to uh, change the caps that uh, are there for uh, Kainga Ora loans and grants. Um, up, up until a while ago, you could, in theory, uh, take out $10,000 from your KiwiSaver scheme, uh, or at least uh, a couple could take out $5,000 each, up to $5,000 each. Uh, then you could perhaps get a grant from a family member uh, uh, to lift your deposit up to uh, 5% of the value of a home, uh, in particular a new home or um, an existing home. And then you could get a 95% loan from a bank, which would then be guaranteed by the government. So the banks were quite keen on this. Uh, also... Uh, you would get a grant from the government of up to 10000 So in effect, as long as you'd saved 10000 as a couple in KiwiSaver, you could then get another uh, $10,000 from the government. So there's 20000 Let's say you'd separately saved another twenty or 30000 and you got a gift from your parents of twenty or 30000 So you're getting up to you know something that could be quite useful as a deposit particularly when interest rates are so low that it's actually cheaper to service the loan for a home, which might be upwards of seven, $800,000, than it is to rent, particularly now that rents have gone up a lot. So understandably, you've got a lot of people saying, hey, the current caps, which are relatively low compared to what you see with house prices now, so if you look at uh, what's happening with the caps in Auckland, the cap is $625,000 for an existing or older property or $700,000 for a new property. In the likes of uh, Hamilton, it is $525,000. In Wellington, it's $550,000. So everyone is calling on the government to increase those caps again because, understandably, if you have enough money to pay the interest on the loan uh, and it's less than the rent, it all seems very sensible. And of course, a bunch of real estate brokers and or agents and mortgage brokers and apartment salespeople are understandably calling for the government to release those limits again. And of course, since house prices have risen 40%, during the COVID crisis, and we're now seeing a cooling of the market with house prices down around 3% or so nationally and more like 5 to 10% in parts of Auckland, then you can see why people would quite like to juice the machine again with a bit more credit. And in recent weeks, we've seen the government relent, once at least, with a relaxation of the tightening of rules around the triple CFA, which was forcing banks to ask borrowers all sorts of awkward questions about how they spent their money, whether they invested it, and also uh, uh, what they were planning in their future. 
And uh, the government relented on that, so banks can go back to essentially believing uh, what you say about uh, how much money you're making and what you spend your money on, which is reasonably sensible, uh, given that for most home buyers right now, because the banks always assume you have to be able to handle at least 6 or 7% as a mortgage rate, those people are, are very able to service their mortgage. So there's a lot of pressure on the government to relax the rules um, because serviceability is not an issue. And that um, is a problem because, as we've seen in the past and progressively over the last 10 years, government subsidies for first-home buyers have filtered through and helped increase prices over the last few years. So just to give you an idea, under national, there was the creation of the home loan grants, the ability to withdraw money from KiwiSaver, and then the creation with Labour of the 95% uh, home loan guarantee from Kainga Aura. And over time, there's been billions of dollars withdrawn from KiwiSaver and then leveraged up with bank money and government grants to um, buy first homes. Now, you could argue... That's not a problem as long as they buy new homes because then you're helping to increase the supply and we know that the only real solution to this issue is an increase in supply. And that's true um, as long as all of the buying went into building new properties. But that's not what we're seeing. Of course, the brokers and the agents want to see the cap for new properties also lifted. Currently, the cap for new properties in Auckland is $700,000 it's $650,000 in Queenstown. Wellington is also 650. Hamilton, Tauranga, Napier and the likes is 600. Uh, Dunedin's 550, by the way. Uh, and for uh, a lot of people, um, it looks quite attractive, uh, particularly the $700,000 close to town. But of course, over the last couple of years, those prices have risen again. They're closer to eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars, even for the most basic one or two bedroom department anywhere near the centre of town in Auckland. And there is a particular problem with uh, first home buyers buying uh, buying apartments, because the banks are much less willing to to lend against apartments than they are against standalone homes. So even if you carry with you a ninety five percent guarantee from the government, uh, the bank is still very cautious about lending. And uh, a bunch of banks have various rules, particularly about the size of apartments, which means they won't lend at all to uh, some apartments that are less than 50 square metres. They're also quite nervous about apartments because uh, capital gain over time for apartments is much less than for anything with land. And the guts of that is land prices have risen much, much faster than the actual cost of a new home or the value of the bits of wood or concrete or whatever it is you've got on the land. So what uh, has happened is that banks are much preferred to lend to land than they do to apartments. And one of the other problems, in a way, of apartments is that there isn't enough land with them. Uh, because when you put... 20 or 30 apartments on a section or a couple of sections, you're in effect slicing up that piece of land into 20. That reduces the cost relative to a standalone home on that land, but it also means that it's not so attractive for a bank to lend to. 
So um, we have all sorts of people uh, calling for the relaxation of those caps. The trouble is, of course, that every time you do this, uh, you pump more credit into the market and you push up the price. In various studies, both in Australia and here, where we've both adopted these first-time buyers schemes, uh, show that the main effect of these schemes is just to push up prices. Now, if you are in a stage of grief or shock after the 40% rise in house prices since the onset of COVID, it's understandable in your moment of household formation when you have gotten together with a partner that you've fallen in love with or that you feel that you need to live with or maybe you're on your own, um, you know that those moments uh, come and go. And for a lot of people, um, you know, it's a it's a key life cycle event, household formation. Up there, of course, with getting married and having kids. And if that moment is when you consider whether you can do something and you discover after months and months of trying and applying and checking and going to auctions that you can't, that is a moment of grief because you're essentially sentencing yourself to a long period and maybe even a lifetime of renting, which in New Zealand is to consign yourself to a lower class. And that's why the first home buyer moment is so important socially and politically and why politicians are so sensitive to, to the demands of first home buyers. There's other things going on here at the moment as well. So aside from the market cooling and lots of calls for people to pump more credit back into it to get the market going again, the government is intensely aware they have an election to win in September, October, November of next year. If house prices have fallen by 19% by then, and possibly even more in real terms uh, because of inflation of 6-7% over that period, the government will be under intense pressure to get those house prices warming up again. There's nothing happier than a median voter with a rising house price. And uh, that will be a risk for the government, not just in terms of increasing price caps for the Kainga Ora loans and grants, but also the Reserve Bank is consulting on bringing in debt-to-income multiple limits. Now, supposedly it has, in principle, approval to do this, but the real test will be when uh, it comes up with an actual number and proposes to apply that. Now, if that's happening towards the end of this year, early next year, and the government is still behind in the polls, then that's going to be very difficult. Now, stepping back from this moment of bargaining and the life cycle of stages of grief, we've had the anger and the denial, and now we're in the bargaining phase. Uh, now, acceptance is a tough thing, again, because of this key importance of this household formation moment and whether or not you're an owner or a renter. But ultimately, the only solution to this is to bring down prices and to thump huge numbers of new houses into the market. Now, one of the problems developing here is that as house prices stop rising and the enthusiasm to get in there for the next 10, 20% of house price rises takes some of the steam out of the development side of the market. And remember, of those 45,000 new homes that were consented last year, only two or 3,000 or so were from Kainga Ora itself, i.e. the state building sector. The question will be, when that demand from first home buyers and property investors for apartments and townhouses 
dries up in the next year or two, what will happen to supply then? How will the government ensure that the demand continues to increase the supply of houses, in part through uh, lending by banks attached to these deposits from first home buyers and from rental property investors? Now, one of the areas of interest is, is whether the government can force, cajole, tempt the banks to loosen their standards on lending against apartments. Because at the moment, most of the extra volume going into the big cities is, of course, apartments and townhouses. And to continue that surge going at forty to 50,000 houses a year is going to require something to change in the way that banks think about lending to first home buyers, what sort of uh, uh, rules they have about sizes of apartments and sizes of deposits, and also uh, how the government uh, ensures that most of its subsidies, if you like, go into new homes rather than existing homes. That is the temptation. That is the the opportunity for the government. The temptation is to do the obvious thing in the short term, which is to uh, um, buy itself a headline. Government helps first home buyers by releasing these caps and potentially doing more with home loan grants. Uh, that's what the last national government did in its last attempt in 2014 and in 2017 was to pump up these home buyer subsidies, which of course. Treasury opposed and continues to oppose throughout, and I think for good reason, because it simply pumps up prices and doesn't address the uh, housing supply issue, which you could address with these schemes if you focused all of the attention on uh, uh, lending into the apartment and townhouse development market, and also work with the banks to ensure that the um, the weaponising of these deposits is focused on new supply rather than just pumping up the price of existing houses. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was another of my daily podcasts on the Kaka. It is March the 22nd. Kakite no.